This is John W. Whitehead, author of Battlefield America, The War on the American People, bringing you a message about the state of our nation. We are barely three years into the 2020s, and yet we seem to be living out the prophecies of the book of Revelation, with its dire warnings about plague, poverty, hatred, and war. Just as the government hysteria over the COVID-19 pandemic appears to be dying down, new threats have arisen to occupy our attention and fuel our fears. Food shortages, spiking inflation, rocketing gas prices, and a Ukraine-Russia conflict that threatens to bring about a world war. Is this the end of the world as we know it, or is this the beginning of the end of the world? Will the world end with a bang, or will it end, as T.S. Eliot concludes, with a whimper? Robert Frost, torn between a vision of the world ending in fire, the hot flame of violence, anger, and greed, or ice, the cold burn of hatred, suggests that either would suffice to do the job. And then there's the Polish-American poet Czesław Mislow, who envisioned the day the world ends as a day like any other. And I'm quoting here. Those who expected lightning and thunder are disappointed. And those who expected signs and archangels, trumps, do not believe it is happening now. As long as the sun and moon are above, as long as the bumblebee visits a rose, as long as rosy infants are born, no one believes it is happening now. There will be no other end of the world. Unquote. In such words can be found a distant echo of a warning issued by Bertram Gross in his book, Friendly Fascism, The New Face of Power in America. And again, I'm quoting here, and listen up. Anyone looking for black shirts, mass parties, or men on horseback will miss the telltale clues of creeping fascism. In any first world country of advanced capitalism, the new fascism will be colored by national and cultural heritage, ethnic and religious composition, formal political structure, and geopolitical environment. In America, it would be supermodern and multi-ethnic as American as Madison Avenue, executive luncheons, credit cards, and apple pie. It would be fascism with a smile. As a warning against the cosmetic fade, subtle manipulation of velvet gloves, I call it friendly fascism. What scares me most is its subtle appeal. I'm worried by those who fail to remember or have never learned that big business, big government partnerships, backed up by other elements, were the central facts behind the power structures of old fascism in the days of Mussolini, Hitler, and the Japanese empire builders, unquote. Look beyond the drum-pounding distractions of war and fear-inducing tactics of the deep state and consider the long-term ramifications of the so-called sanctions being levied against Russia now. Not just the governmental sanctions, but the corporate lockdowns. As CBS News reports, and again I'm quoting, Car shipments were paused, beer stopped flowing, McDonald's shut down sales of Big Macs, cargo ships dropped port calls and oil companies cut their pipelines. Russia's invasion of Ukraine is leaving some of the world's best-known brands from Apple to Disney and Ikea to abruptly exit a country that's become a global outcast, unquote. This, indeed, is shunning on a global scale. 
Russia's military aggression has paved the way for a show of force by punitive big business, big government power alliance that, until recently, had been exerting itself on a smaller scale to sanction individuals whose behavior was deemed to be hateful, discriminatory, conspiratorial, or anti-government. There's no going back from here, folks. This may well be the end of the world as we know it. This particular apocalypse is the fallout from a silent coup that has given the corporate state a taste for punity power and an understanding of the ease with which it can use that power to manipulate, control, and direct the world governments. For good or bad, it will change the way we navigate the world, redrawing the boundaries of our world and our freedoms and altering the playing field faster than we can keep up. This powerful international cabal, let's call it the global deep state, is just as real as the corporatized, militarized, industrialized American deep state. And it poses just as great a threat to our rights as individuals under the U.S. Constitution, if not greater. We've been inching closer to this global world order for the past several decades, but COVID-19, which saw governmental and corporate interests become even more closely intertwined, shifted this transformation into high gear. Now, in the face of Russia's aggression, fascism is about to become a global menace. It remains unclear whether the American deep state, which one journalist refers to as a national security apparatus that holds sway even over the elected officials nationally in charge of it, answers to the global deep state, or whether the global deep state merely empowers the American deep state. However, there is no denying the extent to which they are intricately and symbolically enmeshed and interlocked. Consider the extent to which our lives and liberties are impacted by this international convergence of governmental and profit-driven corporate interests in the surveillance state, the military-industrial complex, the private prison industry, the intelligence sector, the security sector, the technology sector, the telecommunications sector, the transportation sector, the pharmaceutical industry, and most recently, by the pharmaceutical health sector. All of these sectors are dominated by mega corporations operating on a global scale and working through government channels to increase their profit margins. The profit-driven policies of these global corporate giants influence everything from legislative policies to economics to environmental issues to medical care. On almost every front, whether it's the war on drugs, or the sale of weapons, or regulating immigration, or establishing prisons, or advancing technology, or fighting a pandemic, if there is a profit to be made and power to be amassed, you can bet that the government and its global partners have already struck a deal that puts the American people on the losing end of the bargain. We've been losing our freedom so incrementally for so long, but it's hard to pinpoint exactly when it all started going downhill. But... As I make clear in my book, Battlefield America, The War on the American People, and its fictional counterpart, The Eric Bear Diaries, we're certainly on that downward trajectory now, and things are moving really fast. Given the trajectory and the dramatic expansion, globalization, and merger of governmental and corporate powers, we're not going to recognize this country or the rest of the world 20 years from now. The Rutherford Institute is doing its part to push back against the police state and make the government play by the rules of the Constitution. But we can't fight these battles alone. 
to join the resistance. Visit our website at www.rutherford.org and check out our library of thought-provoking commentaries, legal resources, and so much more. Subscribe to our email alerts and I will send you my weekly commentary, Rutherford press alerts, and a weekly rundown of pertinent headlines and news articles to keep you apprised of the growing threats to our freedoms. And finally, if you are able, please consider making a tax-deductible donation to the Rutherford Institute by again visiting us online at www.rutherford.org or donate using PayPal. Your donation allows the Rutherford Institute to push back against the government's power grabs, corruption, and ongoing assaults on the Constitution. Together, we can make America free again.